Good evening, everybody. It's good to be in the presence of God, just studying the word of God because we need strength from God. And for the kind of uncertainties we face, it is the word of God alone which can strengthen us, which can help us to live the life that God has intended for us. The more we dwell uh, deep into the word of God, we realize there is so much of wisdom in the word of God. Uh, let this be our prayer as we study the word of God, the word of God will minister to us because there is life in the word of God. That's the reason Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we need the word of God to just nourish our soul. And may God bless our sessions together. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for giving us this privilege of coming together and studying the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for we have the word of God in our hands. Give us hunger and desire to dwell deep into the word of God. Help us not to study just for the sake of information. We pray, Lord, for the Bible says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Today, as we study the word of God, may the word of God cut through our hearts and take away all that is displeasing to you. And we pray you will fill that place with your presence. Bless our thoughts. Minister to each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are studying at the understanding the heart <clears throat> because the Bible says uh, the heart is the wellspring of life and everything flows from it. So it's important that we know how to take care of our heart because when we go to your doctor, he first we you know checks our blood pressure, pulse rate, all those things, because the heart is the control center. Similarly, for our lives too, the heart is the control center. So we, we are studying what can we learn from the wisdom literature so that we can take care of our heart. We need to take care of our heart. Uh, we need to keep our heart in good shape. So the first thing that we saw was actions shape the heart. Uh, we, you know, I quickly want to recap what we studied um, last Wednesday because we are continuing with that. And we saw that so a thought, reap an action, so an action, and then reap a habit. And so a habit, reap a character, so a character, reap a destiny. In other words, when we are talking about destiny means it shows a length of time. Uh, so we said that in the Bible, life is always um, compared to a path. 
a road which takes us to a destination because every action takes us somewhere. Even if you are living in the same place for from birth to death, because of our actions, as far as our life is concerned, we are moving. We may not geographically, we may not be moving, but in terms of the essence of life, we are moving. And uh, the, in the wisdom literature, we find that uh, when it says, the, don't take the path of the wicked, and uh, the wicked people are always um, considered to be those who don't have any relationship with God. Those who don't know God, uh, that, so don't take that path. And we also saw that uh, Proverbs tells us that our actions, uh, they shape our feelings. Uh, in the present day uh, studies, they will say that what you feel is more important. But the Bible says actions are important because Jesus said that love your enemies. So the first thing when we are talking about heart, actions shape the heart. The second thing that we saw was actions, they open the eyes. You know, actions, the kind of actions um, we can do a good thing with the wrong motive. So it is very important when we are taking our actions, we need to examine our motives. It may be good, uh, but what are the motives behind it? The reason is uh, when our motives are not pure, uh, then they lead us in a different direction. So actions have got, uh, you know, it takes us in two different directions. Uh, when the motives are right, there is no selfishness involved in it. Uh, it is the actions of the righteous and they're able to see things clearly, like the sunlight becomes brighter. They're able to see the events in life uh, more clearly and brightly. And at the same time, when it is taken with a selfish, uh, selfish motive, then it becomes dark and darker. And basically, um, self-centeredness leads us to a kind of self-deception. It is, it is because when we are in self-deception, we will not even know whether we are right or wrong. That's the tragedy. Uh, so it is very important that we are very careful about the actions because when we are in self-deception, then we start telling that I'm not proud, just confident, I'm not rude, just direct, and I'm not greedy, but I'm just correct with my money, careful with my money. So these are all uh, terms which you can hear from a person who is so selfish and who has been darkened by self-deception. Uh, the more we follow the path of self, uh, the more we live in denial. We tell ourselves we are fine, we are perfect. So that is why uh, the wisdom literature says actions open the eyes. Now, what can we do about it? So we need to pray, Lord, show me my hidden faults. 
It is the spirit of God which has to work in our heart and show us those hidden faults because they are hidden. They are not visible to our eyes. So we feel everything is fine. Uh, so actions open the eyes. We saw that actions shape the heart, actions open the eyes. And the last one we saw was the heart shapes the actions. It is interesting. The heart shapes our actions. The heart is like the control center. You know, our words, uh, our feet and can influence our hearts. Uh, all these things have our eyes, they all influence our hearts. And once our heart loves something, it is very interesting, the mind, whatever the heart says is, oh, I love that. The mind says, mind will come up with explanation to say that what you desire is quite reasonable. Why are you so upset about it? You know, it is fine. Um, it is okay. You're not a criminal. You're not doing something wrong. It is not seriously wrong. Or maybe the heart may say, just one time you can do what's, what's so great about it. Uh, just one time. Let this be the last time. Uh, you know, you're not so bad like others. You know, no one understands you. No one cares for you. This is the way the mind justifies the desires of the heart. And it deceives us. And the moment the mind rationalizes, justifies it, the emotions are out in the open. You have to get it. The emotions will say it is so good. You can't live without it. And once the emotions also say that, you know, it's great, you need to have, the will is again, become subservient and says, yes, let's go and do it. Let me give you some uh, practical examples. Uh, you know, there are people who are addicted to online shopping. Uh, just to keep looking at a picture, they cup just they keep clicking this side that side and somehow they feel they have to buy it otherwise they'll not have peace uh, and when people are addicted to alcohol or something it all comes out of this sort of actions because the heart is convinced it is good the mind justifies the pleasure senses are activated and the addict is not able to stop that. So are people addicted to videos or news item? One can be addicted to news. One can be addicted to food. It all comes with this side this because the eye sees and it finds, it feeds the heart, heart says it is fine and everything else fall in its place and this, heart leads to actions. Uh, so it is something like this, what we have seen. Actions shape the heart, actions open the eyes, and heart shapes 
the actions. So this is the, that's why it's uh, the heart, it's important we understand. So if you want to guard our heart, the best way to guard our heart is worship. Because it is in worship, we use our mouth, we use our mind, we use our imagination, we use our body. All these things we use uh, in worship and all are oriented towards God. And that is where, uh, that's how we can take care of our heart. So today I want to ask you a question. Um, how well do you know yourself? Or in other words, how well do you know your heart? Um, if you want to um, share your answers, you can do privately, you can send the answer on the chat box. Um, how well do you know your heart? Very poorly, poorly, adequately, well, very well. Um, as you share, I'll, I'll share my answer. So whatever you feel, how do you, how well do you know yourself? And uh, we will see that there's nothing, um, you know, this is what we should have. But having studied our heart, just that introduction, where do you think you stand? Your answers will not be disclosed. I just want to see how well we are able to judge our heart. You can just use your chat box and answer. How well do you know yourself? How well do you know yourself? Yeah, I'm getting a couple of answers. Others may just try. There's, uh, there's nothing wrong. Uh, Okay, thank you. Thank you for all your, um, thank you all for your answers. Uh, now, let me share, you know, what, as I was preparing and I was uh, contemplating, uh, the, the answer I could just get is, I am somewhere poorly to adequately. In certain areas, I may say I'm adequate but there are many areas I'm poor. That's where I stand um, uh, because heart is very deceptive and uh, I find it, uh, that's where I, I think that I stand. Uh, somewhere I want, um, I'm poor in certain areas and in few areas adequate and I couldn't go to say that I'm well in this area, that was a struggle I had. So it is very important for us to understand 
if we don't know our heart, that means we don't know ourselves. So why, um, why do you think we cannot trust our heart? Why do you think? Why it is so complicated? Why we are not able to say that I know my heart well? Because if truly, if we come to know our heart condition, you know, we will just struggle from very poorly, poorly, like if you say, if, you, if I have to give a majority, uh, in, uh, the larger part of my heart, it will be poorly. So why do, why do we think we cannot trust our heart? So the answer is there. It is because we will see that. The fourth point that we are seeing is God and the heart. We saw that actions shape the heart, actions open the eyes, and the heart shapes uh, the actions. Now we are going to study God and the heart. Now, why we are struggling is, it is there in the wisdom literature in Proverbs 16.2, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. You know, man is perfect. You know, man thinks he's right. He's doing everything right. Even I may be thinking I'm in the ministry and I'm doing everything right. That's, that's how the heart convinces me. But where is my heart? Is my heart in the ministry? Is my heart in God? One can do ministry for various reasons. It could be just fame, name, and all those things. But uh, we have to be careful. So since my heart is not right, it, it, I need to constantly introspect. I need to check where I stand with my heart, in my heart. Uh, it is important for me uh, because my heart is something like this. I can put anything, you know, I can put greed, I can put sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, anything. Because the Bible says, put to death all your earthly desires. And then it says, you know, um, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. If the Bible says, then we need to accept. That's the heart condition. Jesus said, out of your heart flows all this evil. So this is my heart condition. It is like going to your cardiologist and he says, you have four blocks. And I said, no way, my heart is perfect. But nowadays he can show you the uh, scan and they can show you, see the block is here, here and all that. That's the way God has shown our heart. Your heart is like this. It has all these elements. Uh, now the question, somebody will say that, if I say this is the human heart, now the question people will ask is, is there no goodness in my heart? Is there not a little bit of kindness? Is there not a little bit of truth in me? Is there not a little bit of love in me? 
you know, that's the way we ask questions. But we are not talking about goodness. When we are talking about heart condition, uh, we are talking about holiness. When we stand in the presence of God, the Bible clearly says God is a holy God. So the more closer we get to God, we get to know our heart. Because this goodness is a trap, and especially for the church people, because we think we are very good. Because we tend to think that we are not so bad. But the Bible is not talking about goodness. Bible is talking about sin, sinfulness. And Bible is talking about the heart, heart condition. Bible wants, uh, God wants this heart to be holy, pure. Now, if you have a glass of water, water is good. But the moment you put one drop of ink, it is disfigured. Uh, the color changes. It is the color, the entire water becomes contaminated. So sin is like that. Now, once the heart is sinful, then the mind tries to justify you're a good person. Good Goodness cannot save us. I think that is something we need to understand. Goodness cannot save us. Our good works, people may appreciate. They may applaud. Uh, they may say, there's now nobody like you. So loving, so kind. But goodness cannot save our heart condition. So the question should be right. We are not asking about whether there's a little bit of goodness. I am made in the image of God. You see, we are trying to defend our heart. Jesus said, your heart, the Bible says the heart is deceitful. It is deceiving. It has the capacity to deceive us. So this is our heart. So when we say that, all a person's may seem pure to them, we think we are holy people. We don't have anything wrong when we do something good also. Even in terms of religious activities, we can justify. But the wisdom literature clearly says, Proverbs says, motives are weighed by the Lord. So we need to ask, why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? We need to constantly ask. We need to be very clear. So when we are talking about the heart, I hope that confusion is not there and that Ambiguity is not there. I am not telling that we don't have goodness. I'm not saying we are totally bereft of goodness. There is not even an iota of goodness. I'm not talking about that. Or the Bible is not talking about that part of goodness because that part of goodness only has deceived us. We have been saved. I'm not so bad like others. And that's why we have not been able to understand this salvation clearly. It is like a drop of ink when you pour, add it into a glass of water, pure, clean water. You, that is the heart condition. And this God, our God is a holy God. 
And once you understand this analogy, it will be able to tell us where we stand, how well we know our heart. <clears throat> God alone can reveal our heart condition. That's why we struggle. We say, no, poorly, very poorly, because God alone can reveal that heart condition to us. See, we don't know ourselves unless we know that our motives are never pure in the sense when, when we do something, we somehow we convince ourselves the motives are okay with us. And we have to constantly examine. I can preach the word of God with wrong motives. That is, the heart has the tendency. So I need to examine my heart. All of us have to, we may do good things, helpful things, but the motives, motives. We can do it for selfish ambition. And because we do good things and we, we think it is fine, but God says it's not fine. There is only one person that is who had no selfish interest, and that is our Christ Jesus, who said, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That is God's heart. And we stand before that heart, and then we try to find our heart condition. <clears throat> It is not what we say, my heart is okay. We stand before that heart and we see our heart condition. We see a reflection of our heart in his heart and we understand how holy and pure he is. So <clears throat> that's the reason who weighs our motives? The Lord, the Lord himself. You know, it says that the motives are weighed by the Lord. Now, if the motives are weighed by the Lord, then this has huge implications for our decision-making and relationships. I'm telling this slowly so that these words will sink into our minds. If motives are weighed by the Lord, uh, this has got huge implications for decision-making and relationships. If you are always sure of our sincerity and purity, we will make impulsive snap judgments because we are so sure about our heart condition. I'm right. Whatever I decide is right. Whatever I say is right. The Bible wants to keep us on check on this aspect. And when we are so clear about our sincerity and purity, we will be very dismissive of other people's opinions and ideas. I'm not saying that we should go by what people say. I'm not saying that. Wisdom, what is wisdom at the end of the day? Wisdom is, you know, it is not about good and evil. It's, 
you know, how do we make a practical decision? When we're doing a good thing, how do we do, do we take a decision? So we need to have multiple inputs and then come into the presence of God, think, consider all this and ask God to guide us. That's the way our heart helps us to take the right decision. And when we think there's nothing wrong in my heart, the natural tendency is, I know better. I know better than you. The moment we think that I know better, I am more qualified, my designation is so high, we are not teachable. We become poor people in making decisions. We become poor in decision making. That's why it's important our motives are weighed by the Lord, which will keep us humble. So we, we should always have a teachable spirit, a listening spirit. You, you know, God cannot minister to me if I don't have a teachable spirit. How, you know, that's why uh, in Ezekiel you find, give me a heart of flesh instead of heart of stone. Our, you know, we might be thinking that our heart is soft, fine, good, but the problem is when we think like that, because we think this, we are so good, so great, so we are not teachable. You can never minister to your person who doesn't have this teachable spirit. It's important we cultivate teachable spirit. A disciple of Jesus, he's constantly growing. And that's why we should allow the word of God to teach us. And we should have that listening spirit. That's why James writes, everyone should be quick to listen. We, it's not that just we rush through these lessons. It should sink in our hearts because above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. So if the heart has to be taken care, we need to receive this truth and we have to reorient ourselves. Everyone should be quick to listen. That's why Jeremiah 7, 9, 17, 9 to 10 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Human beings cannot understand their own hearts. You know, people will be, we can see that they're on the wrong path. You ask them, there's nothing wrong. Who are you to tell me? I know what I'm doing is right. No wisdom. You, you cannot call those people. You cannot share anything with them. They know. So the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct 
according to what their deeds deserve. If we take all whatever we have learned thus far seriously, and if we don't trust our hearts because the heart is deceitful, it will at least prevent two opposite errors. If you trust our hearts, it can take us in two different directions, two different wrong directions. So we, when we trust our heart, we tend to commit one of the two errors. So it is good, we don't trust our heart. See, why we say that we tend to commit one of the two errors, the first error is our conscience can be too easy for us. What I do is right. My conscience is clear. I felt this is what I should do, I did it. Have you heard the statements? Have you come across? You don't know my situation. I thought this is what is right. My conscience told me, so I did it. See, our conscience will not convict us. If you think I'm just giving a statement out of my mind, no, this is from the life of Apostle Paul, the great man. When we are reading about Apostle Paul, down, if you read the people who have impacted civilization's history, he figures in the first six or seven people who have influenced history. So Apostle Paul was not an ordinary person. And what he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. He says my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. See the way he has understood the truth. He has understood his heart so well. He says my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent because he understands his heart is deceitful. Our heart is deceitful because we feel bad to say that we, you know, we have developed a moralistic religion that goodness saves us. Christians are good people. So we feel bad, hesitant to say that my heart is deceitful. But the Bible says, you're a Christian or non-Christian, you're a believer or atheist, the heart is deceitful. And that's the reason he says, my conscience is clear, but does not, that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So what do we do? Follow God's word instead of your feelings. If the scripture says something is wrong, it is wrong. The feelings may say it is right. But when the scripture says, we have to understand the scripture in the right sense. Now, people may quote, see that person did like this, see how fine he is, that's fine. That's his life. We are not here to judge others. But if the Bible says this is wrong, this is wrong. I'm not here to judge others. 
and his example is not my model. The Bible is my book. Now, this is one error that the heart doesn't say what we are doing is wrong. On the other hand, the heart can be too hard on us. It can condemn us. It can say you're good for nothing. That's the reason right in Romans 8, 1, we have this, therefore there is no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. These are all when you condemn or when you say you're perfect. You know, it is the same Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, 4, 4, 4, who said, my conscience is clear, but does not make me innocent. It is the same Paul who wrote this also saying that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because he understands, you know, Paul has understood his heart very well. And that's what we find in the book of Proverbs. We need to understand the gospel. The more we understand the gospel, we will be able to understand our heart. That's why uh, John writes in 1 John 3.20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Heart has the tendency to produce that guilt feeling. Even though we have repented, we have renounced our sins. And there are people who are experts who will keep reminding those things so that you have those guilt feelings. That's not a right um, state of heart. We don't have to condemn ourselves. So, what do we do? You see, when we, we know this is our heart condition, and we know Jesus came and he died for us. So when we come into the presence of God, it is not because my heart is right, God approves me. God loves me for Christ's sake. It is because Jesus died for my sins and he took the punishment. It is not that my heart has become clean, pure, but Jesus was punished for my sins. Now, God loves me. When I stand before God, I'm holy because of this cross. He has accepted me as a person. God has not approved my actions. You see, especially in an Indian culture, we tend to give too much of importance for our actions. People's worth comes because of the act, actions they do, uh, performance, but when we, stand, when we understand the gospel, it is not I did something great that God has approved me. It is because Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. It is like I was sinking. What can I do when I was sinking? He came and he rescued me. That is salvation. The more, the more we understand this salvation, 
and the cost of salvation, then we are able to understand and deal with all these things. God loves us for Christ's, uh, for Christ's sake, not because our heart is pure and perfect. Once we understand that, we will not say I'm better than the other person. No way. The more we understand our heart condition, we can never say I'm better than the other person. It is Paul who said, I am the chief of sinners because he knew his heart condition. So when we come into the presence of God alone, we can understand our own heart condition. That's why in Romans 5.8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were like this, while our heart condition was like this, selfishness, greed, lust, sexual immorality, impurity, evil thoughts, telling lies, fighting, disobeying, jealousy, unforgiveness, you name anything. When our heart was like this, Christ died for us. This gospel message has to penetrate into our hearts. When we take the name of Jesus, we should know what Jesus has done for us. And that is the gospel message. And this is where we stand. As sinners, as fallen people, this is where we stand. Without God's word of grace, scripture is very important. Without God's word of grace to build us up, we will fall into a false innocence, saying that I'm fine, I'm okay, my conscience is clear. Or the other extreme, you know, I'm good for nothing. No, that's the reason Paul, writing in Acts 20, 32, as his bidding farewell to the Ephesians elders, he says, now, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What should be our prayer? Our prayer should be drill the gospel down into my inmost being by the power of the Holy Spirit. The more we understand salvation, the longer I stay in the ministry, I realize that the more we understand our salvation, our relationship with God, our attitude, our worship, everything changes, our salvation. If it is just a cerebral activity of, I'm a sinner, Lord, come into my heart, then we have not yet dealt with our heart condition because <clears throat> we actually don't know what salvation means. Now, why should Lord weigh our motives? Because why should the Lord weigh our motives? Why not we? We ourselves can weigh our motives. You know, because the reason is most of us have a tendency to justify most of our actions. I said once the heart desires something, how the mind justifies. 
So we have a tendency, because we are sinful, we have a tendency to justify most of our actions. Now, since most of we justify our own actions and the Lord evaluates it, there is a conflict. You know, like a conflict, if you ask a person who is just an average, you ask him, how was your performance? He'll say, mine was outstanding. And the manager says, a useless chap. And he says, your performance, I cannot grade you more than an average. So there is a conflict of assessment. Now, that is what happens. I say my heart is fine, but God says it is not fine. So because of this conflict, it is good. It is good for us to have this conflict because when we come into this conflict position, we understand the impurity, the insincerity in our hearts. It is only as we understand, that's why we need to come into the presence of God. We need to read the word of God. We should allow the word of God to read our hearts. That's where the conflict of assessment is there. And because once we realize there's a conflict, I think what I've been doing is right. And I read the word of God and says, that's not right. Then I, there is the conflict. And the moment I realize the conflict, I know the word of God is always right, not what the heart, my, what my heart says. So the word of God is right. So immediately it gives me an opportunity to ask for God's mercy. And that's where the true confession takes place. We need to realize all of Proverbs 16 to all a person's ways seem pure to them but motives are made by the Lord. The reason why it says all a person's ways, because our very thinking pattern is very complex. It is not just a simple idea. There is a multiple things that takes place in our thinking process. So it is quite complex. That is the reason all a person's ways. We, I may do one action, but that Behind that one action, there are several inputs. It is quite complex, like a computer operates, uh, our mind operates like that. So it, it, it's a complex pattern of behavior and they all depend on complex motives. Heart is not so simple. And that's the reason we should evaluate our motives and conduct against God's standard, against human standard, we are excellent. We are the best people. We are the holy people. We pay our tax, we follow the rules. We are the good people. But we need to examine this against God's standard. So in any case, the final verdict belongs to the Lord, not to us. So since the final verdict belongs to the Lord, we must not praise ourselves. Oh, what a great thing I did. See my life I have devoted. How much I have done for God. We have to be careful. It is, it is God who will judge us. All that we can do is commit all that we do to the Lord and just depend on God.
and just try to say, Lord, I need more of your grace. Now, if you and I cannot judge, if I cannot judge my own heart, who am I to judge others? If I cannot judge my own heart rightly, who am I to judge others? That's the reason Jesus said in Matthew 7, 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. This is where we, we I have just covered the fourth point that is about God and the heart. Now, is it clear before we go to the next point? If you can unmute and say that you have any questions or you feel it's clear or you have any doubts or you disagree with some other things. So it's yes, me, sir. Pastor. Yes, yes, carry on. Yes, uh, in biblical sense, how would we define heart? Not mm -hmm. in a in a scientific way, but otherwise. Yeah, uh, I don't. I probably I I presume that you missed the lessons when we took when we talked about heart. Uh, human beings, um, you know, they are made up of soul, spirit, and heart. And yes. how I explained in the Old Testament, how a heart is, how they understood heart. Uh, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the idea of brain. So heart was the place that all the body functions were attributed to heart. That is the biblical way of understanding. Our eyes, our hands, our feet, uh, all these actions are attributed to heart. Heart is the place where planning, thinking, all that takes place. So yeah. we, need, we need to, because we are in 21st century, we need to realize they never had the idea of brain. So heart is the center of feelings, emotions, uh, decision-making and everything. Then uh, conscience doesn't come anywhere near to the heart. We are not, uh, you know, if you start dividing that where is my heart, you know, we'll go wrong. Uh, we are not dividing, but we know what's happening within our hearts. When we do something wrong, we know that I feel it's not right. So we are not going to try to place it where conscience is. Uh, if you have studied um, more of uh, neurology and all that, um, I think the Wilder did an experiment when he conducted a, you know, he, we did a open skull surgery and uh, he wanted to find where was that. He was a famous neurosurgeon. He wanted to find out where is the eye. And uh, he gave a limited anesthesia and he was doing that skulls experiments. And he, whenever he kept the uh, prod in that particular place, the response that he received was, you did it. And he couldn't find where was the tie. So if we are getting into those areas, I think we are uh, 
going into a very different realm altogether. Uh, what we need to say is it's not conscience. We should not say that heart is different from conscience and all that. Because that will not help us. Uh, we need to understand that um, heart is something, is the control center. And that's where the, we need to guard our hearts. Thank you, Pastor. Okay, thank you. Others, you have doubts? Or you find that it's, it's clear? It's clear, Pastor. Very thank clear. You. Thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, anybody else? Is it clear? When you see God and the heart and you are able to be, uh, are we able to differentiate that you know, we too often we justify good works and we are not talking about good works. That's the reason the Bible says the good works cannot save us because heart condition is totally different from good works. Okay, if you don't have uh, any questions, the next thing that we are going to see is no one's heart is pure. No one's heart is pure. This is the human heart. The moment we are human beings, no one's heart is pure. And I don't know whether it is comforting. If you take it as a sign of comforting, we are in the wrong place. Um, it is not comforting. It's quite threatening. No one's heart is pure. Um, We, the Proverbs, when we read the Proverbs, sometimes we get an impression by doing these, these things, we can make ourselves good. That's why we need to be careful while reading the Bible, while understanding the, how we understand. If we need these actions, Proverbs will come across good actions. So if I do these good actions, my heart is good. But that's why we need to understand the entire book. The wisdoms, you know, the, if you read the literature carefully, it says that um, wisdom is a gift of grace. We need to obey God's word, but wisdom is a gift of grace. No one can make themselves good. That's the reason we have in Proverbs 29, who can say I have kept my heart pure? I am clean and without sin. No one can say. Standing before God's heart, holy heart, nobody can dare to say that my heart is pure. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous. It's enough, no, there is no one righteous. Paul qualifies it, not even one. This should not be a matter of consolation. Rather, it should make us, it should cause us to think and fear God. So how does 
this truth makes us wise. We are studying, we are trying to get wisdom out of this book. So how does this truth make us wise? The first thing is everyone is lost. Everyone is lost. Psalms uh, 133 says, if you, if you, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who can stand? Nobody can stand. No one can stand before God. That's why, you know, it is Jesus who took our punishment. God sees us holy because of what Jesus did. And that should move us to worship him, give him glory, honor, and being grateful. It's a privilege that we could just come into the presence of God. That God has remembered us even before the foundations of the earth were laid. We are not special. We are special because God has remembered us. Because no one is pure. No one is clean. You know, in Psalm, Psalm 24, 3, 4, it says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol. Or swear by a false god. So wise people do not divide the world into the category of good people and bad people. That's wisdom. We don't divide people. We are holy or unholy. We don't divide. We need to remember both wise and bad people are alienated, alienated from God in different ways. So when we understand this picture very clearly, what we do, we say that God must, since everybody is lost, God must save us by his grace. No way. Not my birth, not my education, not my good works. God must save me by grace. Because I have been saved by grace, I am motivated to do good works out of joy and gratitude. Good works did not save me. It is Jesus Christ who saved me and it is grace that has saved me. We should not be disappointed that so many people are as bad as they are. So much as we must be amazed that so many of them are as good as they are by God's grace. If there is any goodness in us, it is God's grace. No one's heart is pure. We saw God and the heart and we saw that no one's heart is pure. Obviously, when we stand before a holy God, nobody is pure. So once we understand our heart is not pure, the next step is confession. We will see this uh, next um, Friday, the next Wednesday, confession. Uh, once we know our situation, we know that 
we have no other alternative but to confess in his presence. So we will talk about confession and how we can nurture our heart, how we can take care of our heart. Uh, any questions you have? What have you learned? What have you learned today? What are the thoughts that comes to your mind? Pastor, I used to think that uh, humility is thinking that we are useless and we can't do anything. But it, it was a while back that I realized it's wrong and it was uh, reconfirming that it's not the right attitude to have. Um, thank you, Roshan. Uh, humility is not thinking um, that we are useless. Humility is thinking less of us. In other words, uh, our mind has a tendency to focus only on our own self. So humility is the best thing that we can do. Study about humility is from Philippians chapter 2. Um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Uh, ra rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Uh, value others above yourself. It is not that um, thinking that I'm good for nothing and others are good. That's not. Value others above yourself is basically consider others' needs more important than yours. That's humility. Uh, and then you read rather uh, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. So that's how the humility comes. Thanks for that point, Roshan. Anybody else would like to share? It, it should be a time of sharing. That's how we study the word of God together. We need to learn from one another. It is not a one way, it's just speaking. It is only through these interactions we learn. Why don't you unmute yourself and speak out? Let's bring and, in a new, new culture. Yes, carry on, carry on, John. Yeah, I like that uh, picture which uh, you put, uh, the condition of our heart. Many times we try to uh, think that, you know, we are good. Uh, it's actually full of evil. Uh, that word, it reminds me of that verse, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So that picture has really made me think, and I'm sure it's going to make me think that I really need to fill myself more with God, his word, so that those other things will take us uh, backseat. I think sure. guarding the heart is... Uh, it is very difficult because uh, only God knows our heart. You know, I may say something, but what the condition of my heart is, only God knows and I know. But bring it, bringing it under control is very difficult as a human being because that picture, as you said, we are born with uh, all these things. So I was really... Yeah, thanks, Sharon. I think that's where we understand our salvation and the value of it. Others? 
First, I think uh, you know one thing that that touched me today is uh, the the deceit uh, that that uh, we as believers get. We think that goodness, whatever good deeds that we do, uh, you know, we do. I think at least I deceive myself uh, thinking that it is uh, uh, it it is my heart condition. But I think uh, just it's it's not the goodness of uh, of ourselves, but uh, the, the spirit's actions in us is what. we derive uh, you know out of us and uh, you know we should not let that come in the way of understanding our heart more thanks chandra i i you know if the holy spirit just shows our heart condition we should be grateful to him because just that little light in our heart is the greatest gift and uh, that's what we should desire and uh, it is again as i said we should not go into the direction of condemning ourselves just that when god god is interested in ourselves that that keeps us alive that he is convicting me he is showing me there's something wrong it is not to condemn us but just god wants to work work in our hearts make us better and it is only as the spirit of god works i'm not saying it will be comfortable it may be painful but then something good will come out of that thanks chandra for those point okay let's look to the lord in prayer glorious father thank you lord for you are our god thank you lord for you sent your son to die in our place so that we understand our own heart condition you died for us while we were sinners and lord we can stand before you because of the punishment that jesus took in our place give us a heart of gratitude teach us to stand in awe of you at all times and to worship you to praise you to adore you be with each one of us oh lord as we have heard the word of god i pray the word of god will produce 30 60 and 100 fold harvest for your glory and for your honor we pray this word of god will spread and multiply oh lord take complete control bless all of us with good health keep us under your control in jesus name we pray amen amen thank you god bless you all thank you pastor thank you pastor thank you god bless you thank you pastor thank you pastor thank you pastor thank you thank you pastor Pastor, can yeah, I have yes. one question? Yes. Um, can you say the heart is the seat of all emotions? Oh, yes. Tell me, complete it. Um, and now uh, you mentioned one verse. I don't remember the reference. That there is no cure for the heart. Yeah. So, will we ever in this life? Yeah. how are we going to handle this and how can we i mean like i'm sure god understands and all that but as we are drawing close to him and is there anything you can tell about that uh, there's no cure for the heart on that line can you say something more yeah when uh, god is basically telling us that you cannot save yourself 
you need a savior. And I am that savior. And that's what you find in the New Testament. Because the day uh, the sin happened in the garden on Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, God knew that Adam cannot save himself. And since then, there has never been a perfect man who could come and uh, save the human race. So God himself had to come. So you cannot cure your heart. It just shows our heart condition and our own limitations. And it is when we understand Jesus and we receive him in full measure in everything we do, the heart gets healed. It becomes better and better and better. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, 48, Jesus said, be therefore perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So the heart is becoming perfect. It is not impossible. It is possible that the more and more we rely on God, God is perfecting us. But how long will it take? We don't know. That's why when we see God face to, when we see Christ face to face, we'll all be changed in a twinkling of a second into his glory. So it is not about, uh, it is just to make us aware who can save us means I cannot save myself. So that's where we understand salvation, the preciousness, the gift, the free gift of salvation. Once you realize that I cannot, once I realize I cannot save myself, somebody else has to come and save me and he has saved me. I want my heart to be grateful to that savior. And it is out of that gratitude, the heart becomes better. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, so it's like becoming like Christ day by day. Yeah, we need to renew our minds and our yeah, that's right. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, that's the reason why I think last time I said First Corinthians chapter 3, 23 to First uh, Corinthians chapter 4 up to 7. Um, this, this is where Paul says, um, I don't judge myself. Uh, I don't compare myself even with others. This is where our ego comes. When you come into the uh, psychological realm, uh, you know, people will talk about ego. What is human ego is too big. And our traditions always, they inflate our ego. And because our ego is inflated, that's where you are talking about the, we talked about those, the heart desires something is that ego. And it is only when the ego is transformed, then we try to get the mind of Christ. We try to understand the mind of Christ. Ego is too big. A little child has a big ego. And as grown-ups, we have inflated egos. And it is only Christ uh, who can come and take that place. And that's where we stop wearing masks. That is, if, uh, if I had to explain from the psychological point of view. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, God bless you all. Thanks. Nice.